You give Teller from Jerusalem 20 minutes, and he'll give you the education of a lifetime. King of the storytellers and the Shakespeare of the Torah world, here is Rabbi Hanok Teller. Welcome everyone to Teller from Jerusalem, episode five. I am elated that so many more people are joining us more and more. Everyone is welcome. Bring your friends. Okay, we're finally picking up uh, where we left off before, and that is we got off to a tangent, to a tangent. Ay, 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 ay. And now we're going to leave off or pick up that McDonald is a non unknown hero. He's an unsung hero, a non-Jew, who is hardly acknowledged, and therefore I feel duty-bound to give him the kind of attention that he deserves. Uh, he was so responsible to trying valiantly save Jewish lives and a pivotal role in the establishment of the State of Israel, which is in fact our subject, so therefore we resume. McDonald had a persuading role in getting some South African, South, Amer pardon me, South American countries to accept some Jews, including Argentina and Bolivia. In addition, uh, in the 1930s, he's working around the world to get anywhere to accept Jews. He partnered with the American journalist Varian Fry, one of the only three Americans awarded with the title from Yad Vashem of Righteous Gentile. And Varian Fry managed to get special tourist visas for intellectuals from Europe and even some noted Rosh Yeshiva, some deans of yeshivas. He was an advisor to the American delegation to the failed 1938 Avian Conference. Gee, Avian really is deserving of a special episode, but we shall control ourselves. But the Avian Conference was supposed to be the great light. There was pressure on Washington to do something in the face of all these refugees. FDR knew how to make a big spritz, how to make something look significant and accomplish nothing. So America and France hosted a conference on Lake Geneva, the border of France and Switzerland, in Avion. And there, 33 countries were invited, and from the get-go, and said in the very invitation that no one was expected to change their quota because America wasn't changing its quota. And every country got up and explained what they weren't going to do to save Jews. Australia said, we don't have any property for Jews. No property. Australia today, 2020, is almost 90% barren, but they had no room. And they said, we don't have a Jewish problem. We don't wish to import one. New Zealand said more or less the same. Argentina said, we've done more than America. And that was true. France said, we've done more than anyone. That was true. And every country gets up, be it Canada. Canada said, we'll take Jews that were farmers, because Canada needed farmers. The amount of Jews that were farmers in 1938 in Austria and Germany were the same number of Jews that were internet technicians. Switzerland said, we don't want to have Jews come to our country. This is a conference to help out refugees. Every country got up and explained why they wouldn't do a thing. That's why one very shrewd reporter said that Avion backwards spells naive. And worse than that, Hitler got the message that the West couldn't give a flying flip. He could do whatever he wished. He can persecute, and America won't do anything. He said in a speech afterwards, I don't care if you take these criminals, referring to the Jews, in first-class liners, just take them. But he knew no one in the world wanted them, and he could do whatever he wished, and no one would stop them. Although Avion was a disaster, the Jews in Germany and Austria had looked to it as their great hope, it turned out to be the death knell. There was one interesting footnote, and that is, the Dominican Republic offered to take thousands of Jews. Why would they take when everyone else said no? 
The answer to this I found out very unexpectedly. When my book, Heroic Children, was released, now this is a, an award-winning book, several awards as you shall see. When the book was released, there were book launches all over the world. There was a book launch on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, and in the audience was a gentleman from the Dominican Republic. I was always intrigued, why did the Dominican Republic accept Jews in the Avion Conference? And he finally let me in on the secret. What happened was, as the Dominican Republic's dictator was married to a black woman. Their child was mulatto, and it was untenable for her to attend school in the Dominican Republic. So they sent her to school in France. When things started heating up for the Jews, she told her father, there was only one little girl who ever cared for me. She was, she was kind to me, she cared for me, and this was a Jewish girl. Now, we don't know who this girl was, but her impact was significant. Thanks to her intervening with this other girl, thousands of Jewish lives were saved from the ovens of the Holocaust. And that's why the Dominican Republic accepted thousands of Jews, the other ones who said yes at the, Dominican at the Avion Conference. FDR found out about the Holocaust no later than November 1942. He was not prepared to do anything other than fight the war, even to pressure Switzerland and Turkey that were neutral to accept Jews into their countries. He would not even allow Jewish organizations to send money to Europe for starving Jews. He wouldn't give permission for this. Now, FDR could have easily admitted 190,000 German Jews to America by just keeping the quotas that were in place. But he wouldn't do this. Thanks to Breckridge Long and the State Department that was fully behind him, they cut the quota, which existed again and again and again. Instead of 190,000, it dwindled to thousands that were allowed to come in. Roosevelt and his advisor looked for any excuse to keep Jews away from American territory. Now, albeit America is routinely charged with doing nothing and total indifference to the fate of the Jews during the war, this assertion fails to acknowledge the fact, the very important fact, that America committed enormous resources of manpower to defeat the Germans. Some between 2.5 million and 4 million American soldiers fought in World War II. Among them, both of my parents, my mother being a more senior officer than my father. The American military presence made the possible defeat of Germany, which would not have been possible in any other way, bring about the end of the Nazi dictatorship. On May 14, 1948, exactly 11 minutes after David Ben-Gurion proclaimed the establishment of the State of Israel, United States President Harry S. Truman recognized the Jewish state. He promised Chaim Weizmann that he would do it, and he promised he would do it without any delay. I think 11 minutes qualifies as no delay. Now the president was defying all of his advisors. It was against the firm advice of the State Department and his very influential head, General 
George Marshall, whom Truman respected very much. I refer you to David McCullough's classic book with a very unoriginal title, Truman. Harry, Harry Truman appointed MacDonald to be his first ambassador to Israel. This was against the advice of the Secretary of Defense, James Forrestal, and it was resented by George Marshall, the Secretary of State. For James G. MacDonald had not risen in the ranks of the State Department. State Martin was extremely anti-Semitic. He was an outsider. He was not part of that clique. After he retired as an ambassador to Israel, he continued his work as a passionate Zionist. He helped sell Israel bonds. Until his death in 1964, he led a campaign which ended up selling $500 million in Israel bonds. Barbara McDonald Stewart, his daughter, came to Israel in the early 2000s, and she had a meeting with Shimon Peres, who was then the prime minister. Peres had an aide who was present, and this aide did not know much about James G. McDonald. Obviously, he had not listened to the Teller from Jerusalem podcast. And Peres said to his aide, James G. McDonald is the origin of the relationship between the U.S. and Israel. It says on the cover of the third volume of James G. McDonald's diaries, quote, it is entirely possible that the birth of the modern state of Israel would not have come about were it not for the determined efforts of James G. MacDonald. Perhaps that's an overstatement, but it's undeniable that few non-Israelis had such a great share in the creation of the Jewish state as did James G. MacDonald. At least until Ambassador David Friedman, MacDonald was the most committed and friendly ambassador that Israel had ever had from the United States. Had the Zionist dream of a Jewish homeland only been actualized earlier, then the passengers of the St. Louis and numerous other ships been able to dock here. Those earlier suffering from blood libels, even from inquisitions, would have had a haven where they could flee. And that's what establishing a state of Jews in the land of Zion finally accomplished. Thank you very much for tuning in. We hope to see you on our coming episodes. Thanks for listening to Teller from Jerusalem, where this series takes an intelligent and thought-provoking look at the past in order to acquire a perspective on the present. Spread knowledge by giving us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. Join us next time for a brand new episode and be sure to visit tellerfromjerusalem.com where you can find more details about the show and other useful information. Check out the site store and just by inserting TFJ code, you'll receive an additional 10% discount off the already very reduced prices of all Hanoch Teller products, books, lectures, and documentaries. And remember, don't forget, you can get Teller from Jerusalem on any podcast platform or go to tellerfromjerusalem.com. Please see our YouTube channel for a richer than just audio experience with spiffy visual components and elements also accessible from the Teller from Jerusalem website where the list of general and specific credits are listed.